Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 196 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. I don't think I've seen a more perfect news slate for us. I really don't. We got Borderlands, Metro, CD Projekt Red, Bethesda stuff happening. It all happened this week. It really did, man. So we got a ton to go over. But for those of you out there who love supporting the show, a lot of you are really excited that we are now officially on Spotify. And the way that's possible is through supporting the Patreon. So all you've simply got to do is... Bang. And if you do so... You can get extra services like the Spotify coming with the podcast. Also, we do early access over on the Patreon. We have early uh, or exclusive videos. I just did a day in the life video, which was one of the fucking weirdest things I've ever done. Um, Just showing people, hey, here's what I do every day. And I was like, wow. Wow, people are going to think I'm really boring after this one. So uh, that was pretty fun to do, though. I'm still sitting. I'm still sitting here. Yeah, exactly. Like, every video was, like, a different angle. Or every part of the video ended up being a different angle in my room, except for, like, two bits where I was outside. I was (laughs) like, like, holy shit. (laughs) But a lot of people want to know, like, what do I do for an exercise regimen? Like, how do I eat? I was like, all right. I mean, that sounds different. So, yeah, if you're into that different type of content, you want to get to know me a little bit better outside of just my video game opinions, it's a good place to go. Carrick also has his own patreon he does great reviews as most of you know and if you want to support him there keep his lights on keep him posting that informative content y'all best support him anyway i gotta also give a real quick shout out thank you to uh to uh anybody who's watching from both discords but also just the fact that my discord has like we we've started doing all the private uh servers or like you know stuff for different games and mm-hmm. um division sort of lit it up where we had yeah. a bunch of people join the patron and like get into division games it's so cool nice. to actually see communities because they're not out there in youtube where like things can be negative instead everybody's mm-hmm. like in this nice community where they can discuss things it's, it's been fucking awesome yeah true that man it's been great to see that uh for me it, it's kind of been on like the borderland side of things like a lot of my discord's been talking about that this week um and they've been like really into the in-depth analysis and stuff that we did um a lot of people helped out when i was on stream i did part of my analysis or like initial breakdown and note taking that i do before i actually make the video Mm -hmm. um i did that with a lot of the the stream and and a good amount of them were patrons already so it was uh it was really cool to have that type of experience together because it like you said it gives like a sense of community that you're you're not really used to and twitch is at least in my experience it's a really positive place i've really i've had two assets come in in my whole time streaming uh, knock on wood. Yeah, it's but, uh, it's been great. It, I mean, th- I think the difference is is it's that instant thing, and mm-hmm. it's like you know, it, it's harder to find it right when it's occurring, right? To be an asshole unless you know and you're seeing somebody's content, so you're usually jumping in to see it live, and then once it goes not live anymore, they can't leave a jackass comment like YouTube. I'll have mm-hmm. somebody leave a jackass comment a, a year and a half after a review, and uh, you'd be yeah, like, dude, we were it's talking been pa- about that. Yeah, we were talking about it on Twitch. It's like, dude, that's not even the same game anymore. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's very positive on, on Twitch um, in, in those elements, at least. Right on. And also, I do want to say a, a big thank you to uh, some of Colin's viewers and patrons who have actually come over um, to our shows. I've noticed that there was a little spike in the Patreon after we had him on, uh, some of them being some of his viewers and, and really supporting our show. Um, because he was on uh, a couple weeks ago, for those who didn't know, and it was it was one of our best episodes. It was just a really great discussion, and obviously uh, we're big fans of Colin and his work, so uh, it was great to have him on, but also his, his viewership yeah. is very kind and uh, welcoming, and, and I'm happy that some of you decided to, to take the leap of faith and uh, join what we're doing here. So thank you so much for supporting us over here on the channel, as well as Carrick's. And now 
with all of that introduction stuff out of the way, that mumbo jumbo that some of you may or may not care about, we get into our first news bit, which is Elder Scrolls Blades. Uh, this this is one of the weirdest mobile rollouts I've ever seen. So it's out, sort of. Uh, pretty much what happened was there's the 25th anniversary of Elder Scrolls this year, which is a pretty big deal. And to celebrate that, they've rolled Elder Scrolls Blades out for early access to to pretty much get the hype going around Elder Scrolls once more. Right. Um, which makes sense elsewhere. The the or elsewhere. I'm sorry. The Elder Scrolls lore, not my forte. I love it, but uh, definitely not as uh, well-versed in that like I am with Fallout. Um, but yeah, pretty much that's not coming till June, so they've, they've kind of wanted something out, I'd imagine, to celebrate this anniversary. So they released Blades into what is more so a closed beta, um, because what happens is you if you signed up before March 25th to get early access, Bethesda has let you in. Um, and they're still going to let you into this early access even if you sign up after but uh, pretty much I didn't know that. So I downloaded the app, mm. and I was waiting, waiting, waiting. They were like, And I got a notification that my pre-order had been fulfilled, and I can now play Elder Scrolls Blade. So I fired up. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I've been looking forward to this because I'm not a huge mobile gamer. You know, I played Marvel Strike Force. Uh, I, I dropped that. Um, I played Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, and obviously m- the most I've ever played a mobile game was Fallout Shelter, and I thought it was g- great because it was just a game. And um, yeah, the most current version of Fallout Shelter is a little more uh, loaded with microtransactions and, and paywalls, uh, but in its base form, it was great, and I was hoping for that with Elder Scrolls Blades, so I hop in. There's a little cutscene trying to break down you know, what's happening with the universe, like who the Blades are in Elder Scrolls. Um, I fought one elf, uh, and then the game said, thank you for playing, and we'll let you know when we're going to let you in. It was really, really strange. <laughs> I've never quite had that before. Uh, and it's even more strange because uh, you, you've got Fallout Shelter, which was like a clear clear game plan to success. Like, okay, there's Fallout Hype. Here's Fallout Shelter. It's available now. You download it. You play it. Simple as fuck. And everyone really enjoyed it, for the most part, I'd say. But with Blades, they've done this weird early access rollout where certain people can get in, certain people can't, um, and apparently, according to some folks, there's there's some pretty uh, bad microtransactions in there. I don't think anything super egregious or out of the realm of what we're used to seeing in mobile gaming, but right. um, apparently, yeah, like there there are like you know points in the game where you just have to stop playing, um, and if you want to keep playing, you you would have to pay. Um, and I, I guess my my two cents is I don't know how much people expect to get out of a free product before Bethesda's like, hey, throw us a bone here. But I'd like to get your thoughts. What Are you interested in Blades? Um, has it ever caught your attention? Have you looked into it whatsoever? Did you try to get into early access? I didn't try to. It, it does interest me. I didn't try to get into early access. Um, but I will say that I absolutely, and you have I've talked about this, absolutely believe that people do deserve at some point, a developer who has a free game, because I am a free game freak. I'm mm-hmm. always playing, like, free MMOs. I do believe that you should throw them a bone at some point. Right. So, like, that, to me, makes complete sense that at some point, they're like, guys, seriously, you know, now <laughs> it's on, time for a dollar or something. Yeah, come on. Come on. Um, right. It's almost like whenever anybody bitches about end game for an MMO or something, I'm mm-hmm. like, at some point, that it, unless you're procedurally generated... You're going to run into the same stuff, and you know you can't expect new content at all times. Right. At some point, you do have to sort of sit back and let them create. But uh, no, I'm interested in it because I actually think Fallout Shelter, when it originally released, was sort of like, hey, here's a game, and it just yep. worked. Yep. Like, here's a game. And um, I, 
personally, I don't know what to expect of this. I did, I did hear the microtransactions thing, but I haven't got a chance to actually jump in. Um, and I wasn't impressed because <clears throat> this is the one that was announced <clears throat> for iOS first, right? Uh, was yeah, this it the was one on that like was the in... Apple stage originally. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I want to play that kind of game on my phone. Mm-hmm. Now, that just might be because my phone's not the most amazing phone. I don't upgrade every fucking six months. Like, I don't know even if you do, but no, I don't I, upgrade. I just upgraded Mine's my a year phone and a half for old. the first time in, in a good couple of years, yeah. And yeah. it was actually for yeah. this game for, for coverage, <clears throat> of course, which is why it's so frustrating. I can't get in. I'm like, let me the fuck in. <laughs> right, go on, right. Sorry. Yeah, so so to me, um, it, it's more, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of wait to see what people say of it, what mm-hmm. what they think of it, but. It's interesting. I want to check it out. It's just I don't necessarily know if it's going to be for me in the long run. We'll just right. have to see. So here's here's a little write-up from GameRevolution.com about the, the microtransactions in Elder Scrolls Blaze for those who are curious. Um, just because I know a lot of people hinge their interest on, on that, um, how intrusive they are. Because I think folks don't mind if they're there, like Apex Legends, for example. But you know, in a mobile game, how, how much does it get in the way? I might be a little more you know, uh, dulled to it just because of strike force. Cause it's literally like every menu. They're like, here's a new offer. Spend five bucks, spend 10 bucks. It's always in your face. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to read this article word for word. Cause it's not a super long one. Elder Scrolls blaze microtransactions have been revealed. The amounts come from the prices listed in the early access version of the game. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of hinting at it could be tweaked eventually. Um, Yeah. In the Elder Scrolls mobile game, you can purchase gems with real cash. The collections of gems range in price from around $3 to nearly $160. The early access version of Blades was released earlier this week, and players are immediately allowed to utilize Blades' microtransactions. Uh, free-to-play games often include microtransactions in the way uh, in them as a way to earn money. In Blades, you will earn chests. Early in the game, the chests will open right away. However, as you progress, the opening of chests requires you to wait, or you can bypass it by spending gems. Uh, Elder Scrolls Blades has a variety of amounts when it comes to buying gems. The highest amount of gems you can purchase is 14,000. Uh, this will give you access to the Imperial, Imperial Coffer, which costs $160. Uh, along with earning in-game chests, you can buy the chests with gems as well. A legendary chest is worth 2,500 gems, which you can buy for $30.99. Really weird price. Um, the chests include things like items uh, that allow you to upgrade your buildings in-game. The items are available through play as well. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. So... What do you think of that pricing scheme? Pretty much the cheapest you can purchase gems for is $3. The most is $160. I think it's expensive as fuck. Mm. I, I, that seems highly expensive to me. Mm. I guess I'm just accustomed to the 99 cent rule. You know? Yeah. Where, like, there's got to be a 99 cent. There's got to be the, the $1. For me, it's the $1 rule. It's like there's got to be something there to get for a dollar. $3, I guess, is also cool, though, in a weird way where it indicates that maybe the content is more when you do that, but that pricing seems insane. And you said 160 Did you mean dollars? Yeah. Something's $160 in that game? Yeah, like a, a 14,000 gems, they said. Yeah, it's insane. I think... Dude, I don't know what we're coming to, man. See, well, I think it's awful, and I don't even say this about Bethesda, but I've noticed with any game that includes microtransactions, they always have that one... 
outlier, outlandish, someone's going to do this type of, like, we're just putting there because someone's going to do it type of of price. And and do I excuse it? No. Do I not think, or do I think it's acceptable? No, but they put it there because someone will be like, yeah, it's I'm going to play ex- this a lot. At this point, you're, you expect it, is what you're saying. Like, yeah. at this point, you just sort of sort of know it's going to be in one of their games. Yeah, because I just feel like um, with companies, they it, we talk a lot about on this show, they see how much they can get away with. Yeah. And um, when no one's really raising hell about the 160, um, that whole time, right. someone at some time might be buying that. Uh, and I know people go, who realistically would buy that? But, um, I mean, we've seen... Some real funky stuff in the terms of numbers this year. Uh, we, we found out Fallout 76 has sold decently. Uh, it was one of the top 20 games in North America last year. We found out Anthem's the best-selling game this year, followed by Jump Force, two games that reviewed horribly. And so, No yeah, Man's like, Sky, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> yeah, No Man's Sky has a crazy stat tied to it. And, and now uh, $160 being spent on microtransactions, I just don't find it as outlandish that someone out there would do that. So I know us in this core gaming community will go, well, fuck no. But uh, yeah, man, I wouldn't put it past someone to do it. I really wouldn't. Um, at least there's there's YouTubers for sure. I Actually, when I typed it in, I'm not oh, going to. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know who this. Win Sanity posted a video two days ago. $100 chest opening. Elder Scrolls Blades exploring the store. 23-minute video. So yeah, there are going to be YouTubers who are going to spend heaps of cash on this game i don't know if bethesda was offering um you know oh, chest or oh, gems like, uh, right to those because i do know with fallout 76 they were like hey do you want atoms for the store to to just have so you can get cosmetic items when you want and i was like sure you know it doesn't make a difference to me i was like sure why not and they never gave them to me but i i, I think that might be in part because of my review for the game but uh still um you know, I, I, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they did that for certain creators. But anyway, mm. uh, Elder Scrolls Blades is out now. You can sign up on uh, PlayBlades.com. Uh, it's really easy. You just got to link your – not even link. You just got to sign in via your Bethesda account. And uh, when you do that, it'll it'll have you listed and they'll let you know when early access is available. So, um, hey, why don't I sit here and just, like, see if it – because it teases you. I'll start up Blades right now. And, and see. It, like, does a loading screen with the early access underneath. It says, like, welcome back. And then, yeah, right here it says, thank you for downloading Blades to ensure a smooth experience for everyone. We are limiting access during the launch period. Make sure notifications are turned on so we can let you know when you can play Blades. It's like, fuck, let me in. I I check, like, every day because I want to play. I want to play. But uh, I have to be patient because it's funny because there's a group chat of me, Camel, and Juicehead. And, and me and Juice are just sitting there like, yeah, we're not in yet. And Camel's got like fucking 15 hours in the game. He's got a starter's guide already out and stuff. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He's just going in on the game, which is smart because I think the game's going to do pretty well. Um, anyway, next topic on the list, uh, easily the, the headliner for the week of news, uh, at least in the terms of positivity, we've got... Borderlands 3 officially revealed. Yeah, I made a I made a 26-minute in-depth analysis. I've made news videos about Borderlands. I've talked a lot about it. It's not like I don't have stuff to say. I certainly do. But, Carrick, let, let's hear from you, man. What do you think about this reveal, this trailer, um, and that, that hilarious panel? <laughs> let's um, get into it. I'll, I'll just say, like, first, 
I didn't really realize how popular it was. And I was doing Twitch and I looked and I had like 1,500 people watching. And I was like, what in yeah, the butt? Which is, which is, yeah, which is huge when you consider like they could also go to their official stream and stuff like that, which is really cool. Mm. Um, I was saying in the last week's podcast that uh, I probably wouldn't be interested in the original games if they were remade. And I certainly have to say that is not true. Um, the remasters that they showed, split screen, four player in the first one, adding the mini map, all mm -hmm. of that stuff got me um, to to Skins. definitely be instantly interested. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I went from telling you no, like there's no, to being really excited just for um, the remasters. Again, I'll probably still have the basic problems with it, but whenever you add quality of life improvements, uh, you know, split screen co-op at your couch. I agree. Uh, you know, from two to four, that indicates to me something we should reward developers for. And I'm not dissing on Ubisoft, but a normal remaster, um, you're hitting two people. You're hitting the people who are going to buy it again, and then also new people. So they don't care about huge changes. They may just for thirty bucks get three games. Let's say Assassin's yeah. Creed games. Um, but I see why a lot of people have issues with those kind of remasters because they can appear lazy. Nothing in the Borderlands remasters can appear lazy. It's not yeah. just up-resed. It's actually 4K assets being created. Uh, new textures, which was one of my major complaints with Borderlands 1 and mm -hmm. 2, was the textures and the cell shading didn't look detailed enough. Now they're like, well, we're doing that. It's almost like they were listening. I feel like they were listening to me. Like, then obviously they weren't. What I'm saying is everything I was bitching about, they actually were like, yep, yeah, that's fixed. Or... At the very least, we've we looked at it. We've prepared. added something. They seem prepared yeah. in the terms of like, um, what And then three, three was just... Uh, so I don't have a problem with the... In fact, it was one of the most fun conferences I've ever had. One of the reasons why, no script. I like that. I'm a fan of no script. Mm -hmm. I don't like dropping a Ferrari down from a ceiling like Forza. Even though I love... You know, Microsoft's events are usually my style of events with my games. What was cool about Gearbox is they're like, shit messed up. This is messing up. VLC became the thing. Like, use VLC. Like, all these yeah. jokes about the media player because it was stuttering. But when you finally got to see it, even at two frames per second when it first played, <laughs> um, the level of detail increase was quite dramatic. And I was having a discussion with somebody who shares both of our discords, which a lot of people do, where I think I a lot of people have an un... That, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yes. Thank you. I, I think what happens is people have an unrealistic ex expectation of how a sequel needs to go graphically, in, in, including mm. the fact that the best sequels known to man or currently reviewed include Uncharted, which is the same game each time graphically upgraded. So mm. I saw a lot of people say, oh, it just looks like Borderlands you know, 2.5 or whatever. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. you don't want to alienate your Borderlands 1 and 2 fans. You don't want to fucking put out a card game. Like, people oh, are just going to go, that's, <laughs> yes, but that they did it separate, right, right, right. Um, and so what you see is a game with global illumination, uh, very detailed textures, an improvement to the cell shading system, 60 FPS, 4K, uh, really looking smooth with a ton of enemies on screen and no yeah, pop up. I, and I all of those that. things, by the way, were in one and two. So people see three and they look at cell shading and they think, oh, it's the same. It's absolutely not. And if and I think people should be actually more impressed by a Gearbox looking and nailing a sequel in the true manner of all the celebrated sequels. Gears of War. 
I mean, go look at Gears of War. It's not like they magically changed everything. Mm-hmm. So I personally was really impressed by it. I saw all the weapons. I started, like, then I started, like, hyperbole, and I was like, what if mechs are droppable? Because the one guy tra- transforms into a robot. I'm like, mm-hmm. what if the occasional mech is droppable? Like, holy shit, what if you can ride on the little gun? you like, what if you level it up and it starts out as a gun, but then, like, later you can get on it and ram into it. Like, you know, just stupid shit. That, to me, though, indicates I'm interested. The moment I start up making stupid shit up for a game, that means there's an investment there that didn't exist prior. So I would say Borderlands 3's trailer impressed me enough to be interested where there was absolutely zero prior to the event starting. Nice. And, um... I, yeah, I went from being like a zero to like, you know, a 10, at least in interest, because I just wasn't. And now I very much am like, whoa, this is mm-hmm. this is what I'm looking for. You know, no Battle Royale, which yeah, is right fine with me. Yeah, right off the bat, announced that. Right off the bat. Um, uh, I would just say, I, I'm hoping they do add, I'm hoping they do add some things. Um, I would love a differentiation when it comes to fighting bosses and making you think a little bit more. A lot of the bosses in the prior games... Hot which shoot, I did just shoot. recently play, play uh, uh, the pre-sequel. A lot of them are just shoot, shoot. Yeah, just like aim down the sights and shoot until they die. I would like to see bosses have some kind of intelligent design to where you have to think. Yeah, um, and, what happened and in the I think that game can do it. Is the first boss actually tried to encourage that, like with the jump pads? It tried. It's the only one, though. This huge re- exactly, the only one that yeah. tried that. It's really yeah, strange. Yeah, and to me, that's the magic. That's the juice. This is a game that's got a lot of humor, too. So, like... Can you have an enemy where instead of trying to kill him, what if they're trying to get small and escape through a hole and you have to shoot them to make them get fat and mm-hmm. big, like fill up with energy and then explode? Like the reverse of things we expect. Of any game out there, Borderlands has the humor to nail that. Also, saxophone fucking solo in the middle of your trailer. <laughs> thumbs up. I don't even like the sax. I have no clue what that even meant. But I, I immediately was like, what anything. if fucking musical weapons drop? <laughs> you know, like I was like... <laughs> I mean, I was just, I was like, I went, like I said, I went from, huh, to damn, that looks fun, which to me is what a game is about. Yeah, it was, well, first, man, I don't know where to start. I'll start off with the panel, the Gearbox panel. I I liked it for what it was. Um, It was very awkward, Um, but I said it multiple, multiple times in my stream, like even during the magic trick, like some were like, oh, Randy's just absorbing the stage and, and he's trying to have his moment and i'm like i think it's just kind of like they had fun yeah they tried to pad it out a little bit and i, I guarantee they were in the room they're like okay they looked at what they were going to announce what they were going to reveal we've got one trailer for three we've got one for game of the year edition we're going to have the developers talk a little bit we've got all these publishing titles okay that's about like half an hour how do we stretch it out and, and you know they were like let's just do something fun like this and, and reveal the, the card game this way um, and it got the, the panel crowd in, in, invested, uh, which I think to them mattered the most. Yes, they had millions of people watching worldwide. But um, there was just something, I feel almost innocent about how they approached it. Um, right. and, and some people were, were quick, and you know, we're not quick to defend Randy here, but like people were like very fast to be like, he should not have railed the pack staff when, when, the, when the tech was failing. I'm like, dude, if you... Anyone, like when I work on a video for a week and shit falls apart, I get upset. If you've been working five fucking years on a game and like your unveiling moment to the world is like falling apart before your eyes, you're going to panic. Like you're going to freak out. I mean, the guy came out before he knew any tech issues were going to happen. And you could tell based off the, the intro, like he, they were nervous. 
they were like yeah. a palpable feeling of they gave a fuck. It wasn't like this corporate postured confidence that a lot of E3 stages are are con- uh, consisted of. It felt genuine, like this meant something to them. And that's why, you know, most times, and you'll see pr- plenty of cringe compilations, people laughing at it. But I, I just, I think, yeah, I was face palming. Yeah, I was, I was freaking out a little bit, but it was, it was kind of a part of the ride. Um, as for the, the game of the year edition, the minimap is the hugest uh, edition of, of them all because I was literally getting gameplay footage for this game for a video that posted today as we record this podcast Friday. And um, I got lost in this location. Because there wasn't a mini map, and, and Borderlands One isn't as well constructed as a two, where or, or right. most dungeons and games nowadays, where you enter one way and it's made where it kind of creates a circle. Um, I, I, the first game I ever noticed it with was Skyrim, where everything always leads back to the entrance. Always led back. Yep. Yeah, and it always, always did that. And ever since then, you see that in so many games, always coming full circle. And it's one of the best designs you can do because it's not that. Go here and then backtrack the whole way you came from, and enemies are going to respawn, which this game does a little bit. Anyway, I got lost in this this labyrinth of a of a dungeon, and uh, it was one of those times I literally said, "I wish there was a mini map." And and sitting there knowing in a couple of days that a mini map was coming to that game in a free update because I was playing on P- PC, uh, really big deal there. Um, as for three, what I what I thought about the trailer. Um, I really felt like tonally it had comedy. You know, obviously the sax baddies we got those, um, guns with legs. But I, I felt like when I took a deeper dive into the trailer and you were looking at Tyrene and Troy, uh, you were looking at Lilith practically like dead on the ground, um, how certain characters were reacting to certain moments in the trailer. Um, Reese and Zero, along with the Crimson Raiders, all of it to me was like this. Seems like a very a story that's taking Dark. itself serious. Um, yeah, very much in the the vein of the first Borderlands. It's still gonna have good humor, um, but I don't I don't think it's gonna be tonally similar to Borderlands Two, and people should prepare for that. Um, and I'm glad it's not the same because here's the thing: is that Borderlands Two and Handsome Jack were amazing for their own reasons. And instead of Gearbox taking what we'll say, and I don't mean to bring them up again in, in any negative fashion, but like a Ubisoft route with Far Cry where they're like, here's another Voss. Here, here's another Voss. We're going to try the Voss theme again yeah. because that's what worked. Um, Gearbox understood Handsome Jack is special for his own reasons. You know, he, he came and went. Leave him be. Try a new set of antagonists that are going to be remembered for their own reasons. And that, to me, along with a lot of what I saw in the trailer... Um, because when you when you slow it down, man, my in depth analysis videos always normally consist of I'd say thirty five to to forty two screenshots per analysis that I break down fully. This one consisted of seventy. I've never had that much in my entire life. It was one of the deepest dives, and it's because there were so many like skipping frames, like one, two, three, four, five, like, and it just showed you like five different things, and each one had like tons of detail and things happening in them. Uh, it showed uh, that th- that they wanted to show us a lot, and that um, they were very aware of how much their audience was waiting for this game. And you know, as a fan, I was very pleased with that because I, I like I said, I've never had to go that deep on an analysis before. It's usually just like one, two, three, but there were like four different parts in this trailer where they just flipped all around. It was it was quite reminiscent of 
uh, of Fallout 4 in the sense of they showed a lot up front um, and really hit you hard with, with, with everything that's going to be in the game. And, and it left you feeling overwhelmed once it was done. Um, it was great. I guess the only thing they took away from it was really the panel because it was laggy the first time. And they were like, oh, guys, can you help us out? And then they finally got it all going smoothly. But that's just my whole take on the in- entire thing there. I will say, um, as somebody who's actually like had to look at writing speeches and writing coverage for especially long form topics, right? The filler people call it. They people should really be. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but when you look at filler, a lot of times what filler is there for is so that you can bookend it with your content. They mm-hmm. bookended it with the announcement. They bookended it with little bits of information like Handsome Jack is dead, little tiny things that they said. And then you have that filler in the center to also announce the board game. It wasn't just filler. There was actually some reasons. Number one, the entire event was about fans. It yeah. was about fans. Whether you like it or not, whether you find it filler or not, inviting two fans up to look at a board game is more than Microsoft, Sony, Activision, EA, or most others do. I'm pretty sure it was and, scripted because like, when they took the cards out of the second box, it was like all signed underneath. Like All of them were... Yeah, um, it, and, and it, it absolutely could have been. But because we've seen that magic trick done, and I know how it's done, it also didn't have to be. Mm-hmm. So um, that it, the magic trick itself is not connected to that having to have yes or, or no been scripted. I will say if it was scripted, she did the best job of looking mad and uncomfortable. There's a, psych, a psychological term that happens when somebody gets pulled on, on stage and they get, there's fight or flight, obviously. Mm-hmm. And she certainly had fight. You could see like disdain in her face in a couple places, and it's very hard to fake that. Um, but regardless of all that, what you have is a situation where they showed their board game. They did also connect it to the video game itself. They they covered that. They tried to draw parallels with, between everything, and I personally believe that the filler is actually quite useful. One of the reasons why is because ask most people um, if on a scale of like, or, or like, let's say they see 20 things, what number 13 through 17 is, and most people can't remember. And so what this does is allows you to show two or three things, but you've got some stuff in the center that either people can't remember, they remember for maybe the wrong reasons, because it's cringy if that's the wording you want to use. Um, I think it just brought more poignancy to the ending and showing the trailer and trying to get it right multiple times, you know, trying to yeah. get everything working. I will also say the PAX thing, I listened to that multiple times and listen to what he said and I'm going to say other than frustration um, maybe it's just the people I've worked with I've worked with some amazing people but the level of frustration he showed was nowhere near what I've seen and certainly did not indicate um, some massive attack on PAX staff now that could just be me but I've watched a ton of GDCs on the YouTube and if you guys think that that hasn't happened before and people have been way worse you're wrong um, I think that that also comes out just because people dislike Randy, um, yeah. which is yeah. legitimate uh, for for other reasons. But, um, you know, you don't want to be a jackass, obviously, but you also want your own event, your own event, your own GDC event to go off as well as you can without a hitch. And, and they tried to do that, and it didn't necessarily work. Um, but overall... I all I saw was a bunch of people trying to show a game. I also love the fact that uh, when it didn't work, Randy did not sit and talk himself. He grabbed his developers to come back out, which 
ignoring everything I've already said about certain people, um, that was pretty cool to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and spout new things. He tried a little bit, and then he's like, let's get the developers to come back out and tell us their favorite thing. That, to me, um, worked really well because it could have been a lot of these speaking you know, heads. They know what to say. They could mm -hmm. sit there and be like, you know, we've got this and that. And instead, it was like, let's bring the community in. The celebration of everybody in Quebec and their ability to say, you know, you know, celebrate it and have all the video with the big groups of developers was very cool because it got to it got to have them just for a second be on screen, which mm -hmm. I also think was awesome. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was. A, it was a it, for a GDC event that was probably one of the most epic GDC events because that's not what GDC is yeah, usually packs. about. <laughs> Oh, sorry, PAX. Yeah, sorry. You're good, you're um, good. It was one of the most well, epic save PAX from the events. YouTube comments. <laughs> I apologize. Yes. No, people are, yeah, I apologize. I apologize. Um, and I did mean PAX earlier when we were talking about it. Sorry, yeah, I just no. watched Sean Murray's GDC event right. prior to this. Yeah, um, if you guys will understand in our last topic why he's been saying GDC. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I didn't even realize it. I'm glad you said something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that overall it did exactly what they wanted to do despite some of the the glitches, which are just... I mean, it happens on the biggest stages. I just think they did, they did something for me, which is pretty rare. And you, as a fan, were interested. Me, as not a fan, mm -hmm. became interested. And I consider that actually probably the biggest success uh, of the of the event for me was yeah. to watch it and go, "Fuck, I'm actually I can't believe this, but I'm interested in the game." Yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest crowning achievements of that whole thing was despite the, the tech errors and everything, that when the trailer came out there was more positive talk about the game rather than just people hype hyper focusing yeah. on awkward, Randy, cringe, magic. You know, I, I totally when I was during during my stream, I was just thinking in the back of my head that whole time, like, Oh my god, you know, this is social media is gonna be a dumpster fire after this. Like no mm -hmm. one's gonna care about the game, but I was so happy when I signed on and people were like yeah, it wasn't that great in the terms of presentation, maybe, but like the game looks awesome, um, and that's that's what I really took away from it. Is like I said, it looks serious, but it looks really fun. Like when I saw it, I said, you know what, this looks like what made me fall in love with Borderlands two and one. It just looked like tons of loot, looked like fun characters. It seemed like they're trying to carry an interesting story into this one from two, um, as well as some of the happenings in the pre sequel. And I'm really, really excited about that. So, fingers crossed that they get it right because it seems like uh, a lot's hinging on this story. Um, because I think that's what brought two into that. Wow, this is this is a true sequel. It, it, it built upon all the gameplay elements, which we clearly saw in the trailer. Um, that's mm -hmm. already yeah. handled, and now it, it falls onto the story to be good again, just like two was, where where it makes you care about the characters around you. Yeah, I um. Yeah, I just like I said, I I a lot of times I'll go into something with no expectations and leave with none. Right. So it's not like you go in with low and they're held up. I went in with none and I've left multiple events still having none. And this is one of the few where I went in. I was just like, damn, you know, they mm -hmm. nailed they nailed it. Like they they legitimately nailed it for a lot of people who weren't Borderlands fans. I mean, even my we did a podcast earlier and there were like three people in there who don't like Borderlands and all of them were like, damn. Like that, that's actually, now I'm actually interested in Borderlands. Like I'm actually interested in going in and looking at this because that looked that cool to them. So yeah, that's off to them. And, and after job. all the, the two years or so of leaks, it's actually kind of surreal. It's actually happening. You know, that's yeah. the thing is, I don't know how, 
how closely you followed it for years, but I, I've definitely done my coverage for about a year and a half, and, and before that, I just kind of watch from the sidelines and see leaks and information popping up and just wondering when they're actually going to do it, and you see the tech demo happen. Um, that was kind of like the start of it for me, and I think many others, when, when they came out and showed off all the new stuff they're doing, uh, which which is actually something worth watching now, now that we know what Borderlands 3 is, and we actually can identify yeah. that the character they were using there, a lot of people were like, oh my god, that's Tiny Tina. I was one of those people who thought it was Tiny Tina. Um, it was actually Moe's the bot jock. But yeah, man, like a lot of people were crazy about that. Just that, that's when it really told me, holy shit, people are pumped for this game because everyone was making an analysis video of a tech demo. You don't see that. That 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 was so subject to change in some ways and, and did not indicate anything about uh, you know, content wise, uh, who we'd be playing as, you know, what's in the game, but people still went crazy with it. And, uh, so to see that explosion of happiness and excitement for a game here now, what I liked is also you guys, most of you guys didn't do the 23 things you didn't know, but really did notice, but I'm going to make a list <laughs> video. Yours was like analysis. Cause I made a joke right after the event. I was like, here we go. You're going to have like. You're going to have, like, the 23 things you didn't know about the Borderlands trailer that you actually noticed, but I just want to make a video because, I, and I want a made-up reason. Um, most of the analysis videos were actually looking at it piece by piece, which is what I like to do There's when I get only... a chance. Games Radar was within, like, 12 minutes of it being over. I only they see made a... one. I only see one right now. Games Radar was the major one that we saw, and it popped up. I mean, I, I barely got back into Discord before it was already up, which I talked about in your Discord. I think a lot of people had ready. Mm, yeah. Everything we know so far. Yeah. It, it's like a top 10 video. Like, they're just attractive videos to make. Everyone knows it. Yeah. Wow. There's a decent amount. Not as many as I expected. I thought you know, this would kind of be like the new Fallout 4 where uh, a lot of people would just bandwagon it. And it seems like there are people bandwagoning it. Um, not like, an, I don't say that's an elitist way, but it's it's like you can, if you're a viewer, you can tell at this point in time. I think YouTube's been around long enough when someone actually knows their shit and gives a fuck. And when someone's like, yeah, hey, I've been a Borderlands fan this whole time. It's like, okay. Right. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's not as, as egregious as I thought. All right. Um, next we've got CD Project Red. So I'm going to bring up some comments from them that I think will excite folks, but also, um, shows that a lot is hinging on their future. So let me bring up the news section here. This information is going to come from Push Square. E3 2019 will be the most important ever for Cyberpunk 2077 dev CD Project Red. It sounds like E3 2019 is going to be the place you want to be if you want the latest on Cyberpunk 2077. Developer CD Projekt Red has already confirmed that its open-world role-playing title will be at the show this summer, and now the company is doubling down on just how important this event is. During CD Projekt Red's most recent financial briefing, CEO Adam Kaczynski stated, this year's E3 is going to be the most important one ever for us. We have really prepared a strong show. This is coming off the back of Cyberpunk 2077's impressive re-reveal at E3 2018. So the Polish developer clearly has big plans. Now, this isn't listed in the article from what I quickly see when I scan, but it was confirmed that CD Projekt Red does plan to release two AAA games before 2021. So yes, we do have Cyberpunk, which I have predicted for a while is coming this year. 
and it seems like it's going to have to because there's no way they release it in mid to late 2020 and then release another game on top of it. It's just too close from one another. They have to get it out this year, and I think they're feeling the pressure because they need this E3 to get nailed, and they need to have the game done by that date. So what do you think about this, knowing? And also, a report came in I'm reading right now. CD Projekt Red Profits down 45% in 2018, and that's mostly due to, uh, sadly, um, Thronebreaker underperforming. Anyway, what are your thoughts? Wait. They thought Thronebreaker was going to do so well that when it underperformed, they lost 44%. Well, let's click on the article here. Can you click on Yeah, because, dude, their, their numbers guys must be working for Capcom. I got you. Okay, so today CD Projekt Red announced its 2018 yearly early earnings, which, while healthy, don't compare, to well, don't compare all that well to last year. The good news is CD Projekt Red is far from being there. Okay, so I apologize. Okay. Misleading okay. headline, in a sense. Okay, in a sense. Um... I mean, so I can't speak about other games. It does suck that they're having issues, but I also think that the long tail sales of Witcher, any game that you announce cannibalizes the game prior in some way, even psychologically. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, you've got your Witcher for various things, and then somebody says, oh, Cyberpunk's coming, and you're like, oh, I don't have the Witcher for the PC, but now that Cyberpunk's coming, I've got it for my Xbox, it's good enough, and I'll just wait for the, you know, I'll wait for Cyberpunk. I think a little tiny percentage does that. Um Overall, I don't really know what to think of financials anymore because a lot of them are based around um, very specific performing games, as we've seen, mm-hmm. with Capcom's issue last week that we talked about. Or maybe it was the week before, but whatever. We spent like an hour trying to dissect what the fuck <laughs> was, yeah, Capcom was, was doing. Yeah. Um, God, was it? Uh, so overall, I would say it seems to me that there is some issue going on behind the scenes on good old games too, which mm-hmm. is there. And the reason why, I don't know if you heard, but they dropped um, translation of prices. They're dropping that. So that means really? if you're in Europe, so if you're in Europe and you buy a, a game, it should be translated to your cost. Otherwise you're going to be paying a brutal amount depending on where the game is released. Uh, uh, Australia is the same way. They play, they pay a higher premium. And so some places like Steam offer a cheaper, you know, if you're at this place where it's cheaper, it's evened out. And they said they were dropping it. And I had brought this up earlier that I was really surprised by that drop. Like, that, it's such an odd thing because it's a big deal now to add it. Epic just added it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering, don't kill me, but I'm, dude, <laughs> do you think it's possible? And this is, hy- this is completely a rumor, not a rumor, not even a rumor, a, a just a, a w- words. Would you freak? Would you freak if good old games stopped their store and moved everything to Epic Store? Be a big cash check, a, pa- a paycheck in their pocket. <laughs> the only reason I'm bringing this up is because good old games, um, the dropping of that and some of the other issues, it just seems really weird right now because right now it's consumer focused. So you want translation of prices, you want all these things, and they're dropping stuff. And I'm just like, why would they drop it? And then last night I was sitting there going, would they fucking, would they, would like, what if Epic wrote them a, you know, like a partnership deal or something? And they were like, okay, we'll go, you know, like, will we have a, a good old games tab on the Epic store or something mm-hmm. like, because Epic's doing things that are crazy enough for me to bring this up, I guess I should say. Yeah. It, it, does that make sense. sense? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If they, if they weren't throwing fucking Scrooge McDuck levels of money around, I would not bring that up. So, but they that are. would in turn probably put, cyberpunk future of witcher games on completely solidified 
Yeah, and on Epic Store. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but uh, be, that's, you know, but, that's but just... CD- me making shit up. I get know? that, it but then CD Projekt Red has said in the past they were like, "We're not going exclusive to Epic." Mm-hmm. But, but to be fair, in in the scheme of a discussion and keeping it up open, I know that I think Obsidian had said that it's they were just not like, "Oh, it's exclusive." It's never not going off of Steam. But they were like, "Yeah, Xbox One, PS4, Steam," and then boom, went right yeah. to the Epic Store. So, well, look what happened today. What happened today? Uh, Ubisoft took Anno off Steam really? and moved it to Epic Store. Yeah. Uh, or they, sorry, they announced it will go off Steam the day because they announced it early. They didn't want to remove another game. So it's still for sale on Steam up until the very day it releases. Then it'll be removed from Steam completely for one year. So um, the amount of money, I would say, and Ubisoft has been very open that the Epic Store has turned out to be aces for them. And yeah, so, I mean, uh, with a Ubisoft title, I get that. With Metro, yeah, so do I. Don't, I don't and, buy it. And you're slipping down to like two stores versus three. Uh, Steam, we know, takes a larger cut mm-hmm. by a great deal. Obviously, you have a hundred percent if you're UPlay and you're Ubisoft, and you have your super low percent, whatever that is for Epic. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to think. I think I think I think sometimes we hear an announcement, and we think it must mean something too, and maybe it doesn't. You know, maybe it just means the last game that they sold, their big last title, is no longer continuing to sell at the high. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Witcher is it, it came out in 2015, and I made a video. Isn't that uh, insane? I made a, yeah, I know, right? It makes you feel old. Um, but I, it came out, and I remember making a video in 2017 on how it was. I think what, it was in the Steam, like Steam did like a gold, silver, and bronze thing for for game sales overall on their storefront and like i think the witcher 3 was in silver or something like that i don't remember the story exactly but it indicated that the witcher 3 was one of the best selling games on steam or highest number selling games on steam that entire year two years after it launched and it's just i remember making a video saying isn't that insane that this game's still that popular and i think the word's gotten around enough where most people who are interested or curious you know the game's been on sale plenty of times i think a lot of people have already given it a chance or tried it out or played it, whether it's yeah. on PC console, Xbox One, um, where, yeah, I, I think everyone's familiar enough with The Witcher 3, and it's they're ready for something new, and, and Thronebreaker fit the niche for people like myself and a very small crowd, but most people are waiting on Cyberpunk. Um, they spent a lot of money on development last year. Yeah. So, yeah, they need that, that's why they're pressuring this year as their biggest E3, because... They need Cyberpunk to, to like, slam dunk. 10 million copies sold kind of slam dunk. You know, like, something really, really good that's just out of this world. Um, I bet you $100 they'll be on Microsoft stage. Yeah, absolutely. Want to bet 100 Oh, we both agree? Oh, yeah, okay, we completely shoot. agree. I, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's nowhere else they're going to be. They, they re-revealed yeah. the game on Microsoft stage. I, I've realized every game I cover, whether it's... Bethesda Game Studios, CD Projekt Red, Obsidian, are start are out yeah, all yeah. in bed with Microsoft. It's like what? Yep. What? I'm not even yeah. like a huge Xbox guy. You know, it's crazy. No. It's crazy. Um, what do you think this other game maybe that they're working on could be? Well, and they said it was smaller, right? Or could or, or they Two they, AAA they games. put a caveat on there that it wouldn't. But they put a caveat that it wouldn't oh, be at did? the same scale of Cyber. But yeah, at the end of one of the article or at the end of one of the quotes, they put a caveat saying. That does not mm-hmm. indicate that this will be of the same scope as Cyberpunk. Mm. Something to that effect. Um, right. I got you. So, 
which makes sense too when you look at the developer size that they've got because they you know you, you don't want to necessarily split if you can get your game out early have it polished more you probably want to put even more people on cyberpunk um i don't really know enough about them other than witcher to know what they could be making right i mean right like like do they get another ip and they're doing something with that do they or is it something small um they tried Thronebreaker. sure it didn't work out doesn't mean they won't try something else like for example cyberpunk what if you did a cyberpunk thronebreaker style game where now you're you know i would be all over that Mm -hmm. because i like cyberpunk the thing is that thronebreaker worked in my opinion because gwent was fun in the witcher 3 and and, oh true Thronebreaker was supposed to be just something like a single player version of uh gwent and it turned into its own game entirely it was just supposed to be an expansion for gwent and it turned into its own game because they just were like fuck it this is awesome um yeah, I'm looking at you right now at what CD Projekt Red had said. Um, the studio is only working with two IPs, Cyberpunk and The Witcher, and there's no reason to speculate further. CD Projekt Red prese- uh, President Adam Kaczynski said in a Pareto security stream from 2018, We never said the AAA RPG is a, the new AAA RPG is a new IP. We've said in our strategy that we have two franchises, Cyberpunk and The Witcher. That's it for now. So stop speculating about another IP. There's no reason to speculate another IP. We're working on two inter- two franchises, full stop. So if there's another game, it'll be Cyberpunk or The Witcher, nothing else. So presumably this other AAA title coming is another Witcher game. If they're going to take the BGS route of bum, 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 switching Man, back and staggered. forth. Staggered? Yeah, I don't think they're going to... Hmm. I didn't expect it. I guess it wouldn't be that soon if they said 2021 another Witcher game came out. It would. It would no, make I don't think it'd be that timeline, soon either. But yeah, and and I think a lot of people who like cyberpunk worlds don't like. I mean, yes, we, you and I like both worlds, but many people don't like westerns. For example, they don't like future. They don't like past. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I see that Witcher might overlap somewhat with CD uh, with uh, cyberpunk, but cyberpunk's more of the RPG nameless. You get to create your guy the way you want kind of witcher tells effect. a story yeah and witcher tells more of a story about one particular guy so yeah it'll be it'll be fun to see if it is another witcher um didn't they say that Geralt's story was over though I or sworn. did they not i could have sworn i, th- I like... god i thought i thought so too dude i thought so too Let i could be wrong up the witcher four and just see what comes up Games Radar, which uh, you didn't give a good rap for, but they wrote a headline, Witcher 4, Geralt's Gone for Good, and everything else we know so far. Uh, let's see here. Uh, holy smokes, did we get confirmation that The Witcher 4 is going to launch sometime before 2021? Speaking with uh, Donata Poplowska confirmed that as far as the strategy of the CD Projekt Red Capital Group for 2016 through 2021 is concerned, it plans to release the second AAA game by 2021. Uh, still remains unchanged. And this article came out a week ago. Uh, we're focusing on the production and promotion of Cyberpunk. So we don't want to comment on further projects. Uh, the first three Witchers were by definition a trilogy, so we simply could not make the next game The Witcher 4. It does not mean, of course, that we will leave the world of The Witcher. The Witcher is one of two franchises on which we build activities of the company on. Uh, today, unfortunately, I cannot reveal more. Uh, let's see here. Trying to see. I mean, we are getting a Witcher Netflix series. Maybe it ties into that. That's got Geralt in it. Yeah. Uh, what the devs are saying. Well, 
developer CD Projekt Red has confirmed that there will uh, ever be a Witcher 4, um, or hasn't confirmed, I'm sorry. There certainly hasn't been anything ruled out. The team was particularly vocal around the launch of Blood and Wine expansion in the first half of 2016 in a Eurogame interview. CD Projekt Red co-founder Martin Iwinski said the team doesn't have anything planned when it came to the next Witcher game. As we said before, never say never, but right now it's really blood and wine. This is the end. Blood and wine is the closing, and there won't be any Witcher anytime soon if there ever will be one. Uh, Very interesting. Very interesting to go back to some of these old interviews and, and compile it all together. I mean, a lot of headlines are saying, like, no Geralt, but none of them have indicated Geralt is gone. Like, Mm. like developer comments. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, moving on to our next bit. Uh, Pretty exciting one, in my opinion, based off a little mechanic they're implementing into this. But Wolfenstein Youngblood got a trailer on the same day, unfortunately, as Mask of Mayhem. For Borderlands, so a lot of people were talking about the Borderlands teaser, and it, it didn't completely overshadow it. I did see a quite bit of a discussion going on on my timelines. Uh, but yeah, Wolfenstein Youngblood is releasing July 26th. They got a full trailer, um, some pretty juicy story details packed into that trailer. Uh, it also kind of indicates that Bethesda is doing what I always found strange about them, which is promoting games ahead of E3. Um where it's like, what are they going to show at their conference? And, and once again, man, I'm just getting that feeling of, of 2017. I, I'm like, I'm very nervous for them. I don't think they're going to come out and have a strong conference. I'd love to be wrong on that. But uh, when they show more and more info before E3 and they eliminate all options, it's like, unless you have a big acquisition, a new IP, something huge going on, or an unannounced game that's ready to go, that's right. going to blow our socks off, um, which is not out of the realm of possibility, but like Rage 2 is coming out right before E3. Um, I'm thinking Doom's just going to get a huge spotlight. That's my guess. Anyway, you don't think they'll show anything for Starfield at all? I think I think Starfield gets a gameplay trailer. I really do because I think Starfield's a 2020 game. I think it's going to come out around the time the new consoles launch, um, mm. and I think that'd be really cool to see more about that game at the very least. Um, but that's just my that's really my speculation because I feel like it makes sense in the terms of 76 happened uh, Bethesda just did a, a a gameplay day thing at uh, PAX East. Right. I, I listened to the panel uh, both the Elder Scrolls and the Fallout one and they, they did say that Fallout 76 did well they were like you know they didn't sound they didn't drop numbers but they're like it did well and so does that mean did well enough did it surpass expectations I'm sure it certainly did based off reviews but um yeah i think regardless of that they know they need to win fans back and i think a good starfield trailer does just that i don't think we hear anything about elder Scrolls 6 but yeah like what what happens here is we're seeing more and more games launching around or uh, getting info before their e3 conference and and that increases expectations oddly enough that oh well they must have something else now that we've seen that trailer I think it's also uh, good to remember that Fallout 76 was packaged in with Xboxes, which, while not selling as well as a PS4, there's the Fallout 76 package you can get. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like how many of those sales? Like, I remember controllers, 
Yeah, so like someone how many of those a, sales are that, right? Somebody sent me, sent me an antivirus thing they found in Walmart that had the game attached to it. Like, yeah, but right. to put it to anything, controllers. Yeah, so everything. so did it do well, realistically, where people sought that particular program out or or what have you? But I I would say also there is a chance they have a bad one, have a bad E three, you know, because they do seem to go odd even, where it's like good E three, bad E three, mm-hmm. good E three, bad E three. But I also hope that they're learning, and what this is really about is them announcing it because they feel they're E3 strong enough they don't need to announce yes, something. that's the optimist. Which, yeah, me. that's the optimist in me, too. And it, it, Meaning that they have something to show. Like, they're like, you do know what games we've got, but we're you don't know what they look like, or you don't know what they're going to do, so we're going to show you, you know, what they do or what they look like. And I, I have no real issue with that. I don't think E3 has to always be about the announcement of a game. But it can be a deep dive into it. And especially with leaks, why not announce it when somebody's going to leak it on Amazon on accident anyway? Some Walmart employee is going to accidentally upload the fucking thumbnail. or You know what I mean? Like, at some point, why not get it out there and instead focus your E3s on the actual, you know, the longer view of what it is than just the... Because at some point, it's all announcements. And right. you get sort of numb to that. You're like, we've even done it where we're like, okay, there were so many games announced, and then two weeks later, you're like, we forgot three of these games. So it's like, instead, what if it was, what if after that event, we're sitting here talking about Bethesda showing a deep dive into something? Or, you know, uh, on the other hand, I don't know if I want one because wasn't it Todd Howard who was like, best lighting engine ever in Fallout 76? Oh, oh uh, 16 times the detail was the, the line yeah. from this. Yeah, Todd, Todd Rays instead of God Rays. So yeah. <laughs> there, there, is, there is that, right? There, there is the <laughs> worry one. that we don't want them. We don't want Todd Rays, but it, it, it's possible. I mean, I, I honestly don't get as um, negative as a lot of people do about Bethesda's because I don't also get as stoked for them. But I think that they're a company that has enough stuff that they, if they did it correctly, they could get away from trying to compete. Because I don't know if you believe this, but sometimes I feel like the smaller events try to compete with like Microsoft or Sony, and it's weird. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why are you trying? Be like Devolver Digital, who goes out there with some random person talking, their head explodes. Like you're like, because yeah. people talk about that. People talk about the weird shit. People talk about the in-depth stuff. Show that. So. Mm-hmm. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an optimist on this. Yeah, I think with with the '76 debacle, I think a lot of people forget that Bethesda does publish really good games. Wolfenstein. Yeah. I, I know some people don't like Wolfenstein too, so I'm gonna remove that from the list for now. But I enjoyed it. But I'm saying like Dishonored, Me Prey, too. Doom. I mean, they they put out Rage Two looks fantastic. I can guarantee that will be a great game. I don't know if the story will be great, but I think it'll be fun as fuck. And that's what people are expecting. Um, it's based off at least what I've tested multiple times. Like that—that that is a fun ass game. So I think a lot of people kind of get lost in that. And look, this is coming from someone like I don't know if you saw the video, Carrick, but this new survival mode for seventy-six. I—I have never been so fucking pissed at Bethesda because I thought their their execution of it was horrible. And it's like I'm—I was just so tired of this. Let's launch this and make it better over time. Like no. Put right. something out that's good now, because that's what you need. Um, and if you didn't know, like, the spawn points are fucked. Like, you know, there were people spawn camping, the, the fast travel points, so you, you literally uh, you die upon loading in. I got so much visual evidence of that in my videos and some of my social media, because I was like, this is so fucking ridiculous. So this is not coming from a defensive standpoint for them, um, as I definitely am, like, most most pissed at them. 
over this. You know, 76, I feel like, you know, it was beaten to death by the time I got around to my review. Right. But with this, I was like, okay, this is, you know, a mode that can really have them gain some steam. Like, this is the mode that can... can... Well, we talked about it during the podcast. We mm-hmm. actually looked at all the icons, and we're actually pretty excited about it. Yeah. And, and, you, and the thing is, is that even when you're playing it, and you're getting, like, spawn killed, and one-shotted, and there's lag, and, God, it's all fucking annoying, but you still see... Un- it's unlike the base game of Fallout 76, where in this mode, you actually see underneath it all... This could be fun. And that's what's so fucking annoying about it. Because with 76, it was it was like I went in on the game, but it was also very easy to because it was just so bland and not a Bethesda Game Studios title. Whereas this one showed what is more frustrating to me is, wow, this is such a great idea marred by rushing, lack of forethought, like just one spawn point. That just shows that this is a developer that's never made multiplayer games in the past. Having right. one spawn point, trusting in their community that it won't be exploited, that they won't pick up on it. That that type of stuff, I think, is very foolish. Um, and that they should have learned their lesson with, with leveling exploits with the grenade bouquet and whatnot earlier. But yeah, man, um, I just, I, I hope they turn it around. But as for Wolfenstein, uh, a co-op game, they have a pretty consumer-friendly offer tied to it. That was pretty exciting. Buy yeah, one, the dual. Give a code free. Buy one, get, yeah, that's awesome. So that's it's a, like, that's uh, what's that? A, a way out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me was awesome. I was actually on a very, un, that was actually very unexpected. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really expect it to be a trend EA started and that other companies caught onto. Um, another example is only available till the 30th of March. So by the time this episode is live to most of our listeners, uh, you guys will have missed the boat, but pretty much. Risk of Rain, which is, or Risk of Rain 2, sorry, which was a game that was announced during the Gearbox panel. Um, they had said that if you buy one copy, you will be able yeah. to gift a code to a friend for free. And Steam had like created a very specific avenue for people uh, to be able to do that, which is awesome between Gearbox and Steam. So yeah, it seems like this is starting to become a trend for these co-op games. I don't know how the financials work out for that, where they go, okay, how much do we need to sell? Because now we have to account for this extra code being packaged in. And the difference between uh, this one and Gearboxes is that uh, it seems like Wolfenstein's is unlimited, just like A Way Out was unlimited. Uh, my friend and I got into that game super late, and we still did a, you know, he bought it. I paid, or I, I paid him back later for the other half, and uh, he gave me a code. I think in I, I think what it honestly does is uh, it's pretty smart PR wise makes them look very positive and then if people do end up liking it and they you know they're like uh, I'm assuming if if I assume it's like so there's two ways it could be it could be like a no no way out where your ability to play it is connected directly with the other person or it could be where you buy a code or you buy the game and you get another code do we know which of those two ways it, this mm-hmm. one's being given is this one being given as a free copy? Uh, it apparently is. Well, if it's being given as a full free copy, that's really positive. I mean, there's, there's oh, are really... Are you saying, like, between, like, just being able to access the story with someone else and, oh, you can Yeah, like, let's game? say you're connected and I go, okay, I want to play with Maddie, and it's like, connect to Maddie. Okay, you're connected to Maddie, who owns it. We're going to allow you to download it, which is sort of what a No Way Out did. And then... And then I can play it as long as I'm connected to you or somebody who owns it. Mm-hmm. Or is it I buy a code and there's a code in the box that I can give to a friend? Because there's two, there's two really, uh, there's sort of two financial changes that would happen. Because if it was a code for a code, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, like, here's a code, boom. Wild. 
Right, just hand it to somebody. Um, the idea of tying in your account to mine if we chose to play is also very positive. There's nothing negative about that at all. Uh, but it seems more realistic to do it that way than to just say we may cannibalize a fourth to a half of our sales by just giving away a copy for free. But mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I I, I want to wait until we get closer to sort of figure out exactly the steps. And maybe the steps are out there and I haven't seen them, but I didn't see them exactly define how that was going to be given out. It strikes me like a death of the outsider type game, like a low investment type game to, to build. Like the side, but on its own story. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and why I think Wolfenstein Youngblood will do a little bit better is a, it's a, a, sh a shooter. Uh, B it's co-op. Um, and that's important sure. because C it has a good gimmick tied to it with that co-op. Since you look at another Wolfenstein spinoff, which is the old blood, which it was all right. I thought like, I really wasn't impressed by it. Um, because its gimmick was just a pipe, and they were like, yeah, you can climb walls with this, and you can stab people with it, and they did everything you could possibly do with the pipe, and I was like, by hour two, I was over the pipe. I didn't care about it at all. Right. It just It, it felt like a gimmick, and just a gimmick, but this one, co-op gameplay, that's enough to sell a lot of folks who may not have cared about Wolfenstein, yep. and now they do. Yep. Hopefully, this indicates for three that Wolfenstein 3 will have co-op. I would really mm -hmm. like that. Because Wolfenstein 3 is, you know, that's going to be, we, we know for sure it's in development. That's been confirmed by Pete Hines. And if they're adding co-op to this one, maybe they're gauging it out. But yeah, I, right, I, I, right. Feel like, I feel like 3 would be a good fit for, for cooperative play. For the first truly co-op, mm -hmm. like, where, like, you're not just a copy of the same character like Halo, where you're just multiple yeah. <laughs> Master Chiefs, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be pretty cool. It would be cool if they did a Gears of War thing where if you go right and I go left, we have slightly different experiences. We can see each other. Almost mm -hmm. like Devil May Cry does that with um, the, the comrade, oh, not yeah, comrade, yeah, yeah. Uh, cohort system. Um, cohort? No, that's not what know. it is either. I've never played the game. There's not. There's there's a system though that allows you to do that. So yeah, right. I think it's all. I think it's really positive either way. I just think one of those ways is pretty crazy. One of those ways would really surprise me. Um, doesn't mean they won't do it. But one one of those ways to give out a free copy would be highly impressive if they did it. Well, fingers crossed it's a full game for, for consumers. That'd be a pretty good thing. Yeah, and that'd I think, be insane. I, I think uh, Bethesda's gradually trying to win back some good PR, you can tell, because they've, they put all their games on Steam and all future games are coming to Steam, they've confirmed. Do you uh, think that maybe then it is a free game, just a, another code? I feel I feel like just based off the path they're on trying to win back fans i i sure. feel it makes the most sense based off the company we knew um but i i can't say any obviously for for certain i i hope so though i hope it is yeah. the the full-on game all right next topic is metro exodus which is getting a cool update of its own so for those of you who've been playing the game a bit and you've, you've liked it and you want to go through a second run but you don't want to lose all your guns and attachments fret not because new game plus has been added in a six gigabyte patch um that allows you to like i said play the game carry over all the weapons and attachments and collect the rest of the notes maybe you missed and do the game maybe a different way whether you're good or evil I had just finished this game about a week ago now or two, maybe. Uh, I can't remember, but it was all right. It was all right. I, I wasn't like the last light where, not the last light, but last light where I was, I got to play that again. That was a great game. Uh, this one was okay. You know, it, was, it was solid. I was happy I played it, but it, it did not blow me away in any, any way. I thought they did a great job with the ending. 
I got the bad ending, and I still thought they did a great job. And the only other game that's ever done that for me was actually Persona 4, where I got the bad ending, and I, I consider it one of my favorite games of all time, and went back a year later and realized, oh, fuck, I just missed 25 fucking hours left in this game, and a it was content. a whole different story. And I, I had a deeper appreciation for it after that, too, because I was like, oh, my God, I love this game when the ending was bad. Now I got the real ending, which is better. And, yeah, it was amazing. So uh, kudos to them on that for, for doing uh, what I put this in quotes, a bad ending well. I thought the I thought it was more obvious in Last Light when they delivered a this will send you down a good path, this will send you down a bad ta- path type of uh, um, decision you can make or, or uh, a gameplay element. I didn't kill anyone who was surrendering. But I did during the part where you were fighting like the pirates and the pioneers. I mm-hmm. did kill a lot of those people because they would see me and attack me, and I thought, okay, well, I got to defend myself. And uh, I guess when you kill them, you're instantly evil bad guy. Despite you know doing all the getting like Steven's guitar, getting the bear, getting the picture, giving it to doing um, all this shit. They're like, nah, now nah, yeah, did one did, thing. None of it mattered. Yeah, and it, it kind of reminded me of guy. I think the issue that some folks had with Vampire, where I had a good ending for Vampire, and I loved the game because of it. But a lot of people were like, I killed four people, and I and and in the scheme of things, I did everything else good, and I got the the bad ending. And I was like, oh, now I get that frustration. Because, I, like I said, I like the ending, but I know what I did in the game did not reflect the type of character I was playing as at all. Like, I was stealthing, I was choking people out, I was punching anyone I could. I was very rarely shooting my guns, and I spent a lot of time customizing and cleaning. Uh, but, despite all that, I'm happy to see that there's a new game plus mode getting added. If you Have you had any pull to go back to a game for, or not a game, but this game for a second time? No, I uh, admittedly I haven't for any of the metros. Really, not but at all. Okay. No, um, no, not really. Hmm. Uh, I think they're that you know, like when I go back to a shooter, it's for craziness, not necessarily a game like that. Once I've experienced it, I'm like, okay, I've experienced that. I feel the same way with this. Overall, it didn't have the freedom of, let's say, a Fallout, so there wasn't the desire to go back and really fuck around with things and you know explore in different places I right. missed. Overall, I, th- I thought it was just a solid package with some things I really liked and some things I didn't like. Um, wasn't the best game in the world, but there were there was a lot of elements I liked about it. It was I would say for a Metro game, it was a solid entry to their series in a different style. Yeah, yeah, it, that's why I said it wasn't bad. It just really didn't. Uh, I felt what happened, and and call me crazy, and I know some people are going to roll their eyes severely when I say this, but a lot of the open hub design was quite reminiscent to me of sort of like a far cry there were just your your main mission which you, you'd follow yeah. the exclamation point to and dotted around were bandit camps and that was pretty much it and i was expecting more akin to a dishonored where maybe you'd go into one camp and it was a nice group of people and there would be a side quest there that you could pick up but it seemed very formulaic it was like bandit camp maybe a collectible that you need to pick up to give to someone on the train. And it really hinged on you caring about the characters because, like, you know, you'd hand the little girl the, the bear and you'd watch her kind of get all happy about it and show people around the the, the Aurora. Um, and those moments were solid. Um, but, like, for me, it gave me no reason to care about any character in that game except Anna and Miller, who 
have been around for a while. Not that the others haven't, but the others have not been prominent or major in any way, shape, or form compared to those two throughout the series where they were the only two worth caring about. Fortunately, the game, I think, was aware of that because it focused on them the most as the game really ramped up towards the end. Um, And like I said, I think it was why the ending was still strong whichever way you went. But, um, yeah. I also think the game was about was about like the people on the train being the only safe ones because we talked about this in the last podcast. There's a certain event where you think you might be safe and you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, it, that hurts the open worldness of it. Cause there can't be quests really. If the open world is that dangerous. Um, and other than the couple characters you do find in the open world that there, there isn't any, yeah, there, there really isn't any other quests. It's more about, you know, something's wrong with the train, go fix it. You know, some you, you need to get past this spot, go out there and do it. So that's why I don't really feel a draw to go back. Um, yeah, if there the were side quests, I might, but I'm not even sure if I would even if there were side quests. Not that it was bad. It's just like I was at the time I enjoyed it and then I moved on. I don't really yeah. return super often anyway, unless it's KOTOR. <laughs> yeah. Right? Same. Or Jade Empire. Like, yeah. or. You know, for whatever yeah, reason, it, I just it takes don't a return. lot for a game to make you want to return. Yeah. Like the only game I've returned to in recent memory is is Near Automata, which I'm I'm playing through right now. But yeah, uh, I mean, something like that, I I can definitely see returning to, especially with the the upgrade system. Yeah, um, well, that alone like Metro, would be worth. Exodus, just you know, it's the type of game you you would want in in theory to to replay because you'd play on different uh, weapons with using different choices, seeing how different characters reacted to certain things. Man, I felt like I. I don't. I did not feel that. I don't know. As in, yeah, I didn't feel. I, it I'm as like strongly. you. I didn't. I, I felt yeah. that other games did it better in that series. Yeah. I should say. Um, I thought Last Light nailed it. I thought they hit a sense of like weight to your actions in a way that you didn't really expect. Like I think going into it, you're like, oh, this is a shooter. Um, yeah, some choices matter, good or bad. We'll see though. And it it just the reactions, and I think they made the Metro really diverse and i think that was a really big strength of it whereas this one you expected right diversity no you're good i'll just keep going you kind of expected diversity throughout the locales in this game like the caspian sea um i forgot the name of the location where the pirates and pioneers were it's a pioneers pioneers were um but it was kind of like this this spring-like setting it was absolutely gorgeous i mean that is a fantastic looking game um, but it, I guess it didn't have that shock and awe like we had seen in in prior Metro titles. So I, I think it lacked a little bit of that punch. Like when you when you stumble <laughs> upon that that Nazi sort of regime underneath in the Metro, the yeah, in in Last Light, and you're like, oh shit! Like these are people who exist in the Metro. Like it was kind of crazy seeing all these different pockets of life throughout this one train system. Practically, it, it was very. Uh, bewildering as you explored the Metro, whereas um, you expect, I guess there was this lack of, or or rather this preset expectation there put into Exodus, I think kind of betrayed the concept. And um, once again, I think the game was pretty self-aware of that because there's there's a reason why, and this really isn't a huge spoiler, but why they conclude the majority of the game in the fucking Metro, because they they know what made their series strong and special. And I I think that was, those focused uh, funneled parts, not just underground, but in general, were, were easily the best parts of the game. Um, my, like I said, minus the Caspian Sea, I found that to be quite weak. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Good game overall, liked it, but um, 
yeah, don't. I mean, I just don't have a return to, or I don't have a desire to return to any of those, yeah. for whatever reason. Just um, there is a di they're a different type of shooter. I don't even know how to describe it. Like they're fun that one time, but then I think also because a lot of the Metro series have always re revolved around jump scares. I enjoyed the original Metros a little less than most because I don't react to jump scares ever. So like a monster will come out and I'm the one who can't stream those games because I'm not going to yell. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, like, okay. <laughs> but like Exodus worked a little better for me because it wasn't as much about jump scares. Um, but I think overall, those are just not See, the I style of game for me to return. In that game. I didn't get any. I don't wow. even remember other you than the starting sack of fucking when, steel. <laughs> when when the starting when you you know are getting on the train right. and getting everything figured out from that point on and I told you I really didn't emotionally register whatsoever with the you're safe but not safe moment um in the, in Metro. And I mm -hmm. liked Metro probably more than you a little bit. Exodus I'm talking about probably more right, than right. you a little bit. And I still even I was just like going through that and shit was happening I was just like whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Whatever. I, I will say I probably bought in more than you did uh, to the NPCs for yeah. whatever reason. I, I dug the sitting and listening to the guy talk while I, we smoked and seeing little impacts in the world. Those sell, those, those sell me pretty well, pretty easily. Yeah, but see, I, don't I, need too I much. even did things to really bring the immersion in. Like I killed all HUD. I went into hardcore. So I was like crawling around levels, really taking my time with the game. Like I gave it all. Maybe that's what caused you to have the issue is maybe that's not the way – I mean, maybe overall, for some reason, that isn't actually the best way to play that game. I think it is, though. I've always enjoyed, like, a nice paced Metro game. Because so many shooters are like, like, you know, just... But not... What I'm saying is not Exodus. Right. Maybe, Ex maybe when you jump into Exodus, you're like, maybe that's not the right way to play Exodus. Mm. I'm not saying it's not the right way to play the other ones. But maybe because of the lack of care of NPCs out there, the lack of them even being out there, really... Um, Maybe in this Metro, we'll find out as you go on that really that kind of extra time taken doesn't reward you. So maybe you felt unrewarded because you were doing those things where I didn't feel unrewarded because I did them to test them for the review, mm -hmm. but I didn't do them to just religiously do them. I was like, okay, that works, but right. I'm going to play the way I'm going to play and just sort of see the way it is. Um, I don't know. It'll be, it would be an interesting game to go back in a year and then, like, break down. Like, does it does hardcore mode, for example, work in mm -hmm. that game? Because there are some games where there's a hardcore mode, and you'll you'll talk to the developer, and they're like, "Dude, we we didn't balance for that. We had, uh, for example, God of War. They made it very clear the game was not technically prepared for the hardest mode. Yeah, the the FOV wasn't even right, but they knew people would want one. So." Yeah, it would be that would be an interesting. We should like in a year go back if there was like no games to review, go back, break it down and see um multiple games would be fun to do that. But I think this one in particular just cuz it is divergent from Last Light and from the other. But the, uh, remembering that I'm a big Stalker fan. Mm -hmm. The original, like right, right. before those. So there might be a little bit of that for me too. Yeah, I mean the gameplay never really sent me off the only only time i got pissed was during the part where you i and this is just me in general i don't really blame the game i just think it's the dumbest choice for a, a designer to say let's remove every weapon you've ever earned in the game for a good amount of time Me, deus ex human revolution far cry far cry does it 
Metro did it. They took away everything you fucking built and gave you a crossbow and yeah. set you like, out. And go back out. Yeah, and especially <laughs> in a game where you can, on a higher difficulty, die in like two shots. Really frustrating just firing with this clunky, slow-ass crossbow and 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 reloading the same part. That was the only time it was really annoying, but it also, like I said, it was emphasized a bit more because I can't stand when developers take away all your stuff. I think it is yeah, no, so silly yeah, reversing progress because especially yeah. in, in Metro, in that case where it is very much a game that says, hey, you you are going to have this backpack on you. You have to hoard your resources. You have to craft everything. You have to kid out your weapon. And then they're like, you no, you play. don't. Exactly. And they take it away. <laughs> and they're like, psych. Fuck you, bro. Like, that's like, no, yeah. bro. Come yeah. on. You can't do that. It's just. The, I hate the that minigame. Also, the it, it, like with Far Cry 5, where you got kidnapped 8,000 times. Yeah. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, yeah. stop with the kidnapping. Because that game would even cheat. Once they came to look for you, they would just keep spawning until you finally got shot so they could kidnap you to give you in a yeah, flashback. Like, All right, fine. You can kidnap me now. Dude, dude yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, Maddie, I'd just be like, fuck it. And I was so frustrated by it. I would just stand there. And they would hit me and hit me. I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Just taser me or whatever you're going to yeah. fucking do. Knock me out. Take Let me, me get to that. Just take me away. Because, yeah, it, I think that those are, whenever you remove the build-up um, or so the built-up stuff from mm-hmm. a player, you either have to do it really short, man, like a flashback. Flashbacks yeah. would be fine. Hey, here's a flashback prior to you getting all this. Here's, you know, maybe what if that would be cool if Metro had said, hey, here's a flashback from prior to Exodus, and it was more of the inside, you know, the corridor mm-hmm. stuff. And you're like, whoa, what the fuck? You know, for a little bit. But, yeah, a lot of, I don't think I've ever seen a game actually do that. Most of the time it is what we're talking about, where yeah. for whatever reasons they oh, think that that adds the game without spoiling anything at the end of exodus there was some just real bizarre fucking creatures showing up where i was like what is this thing and why is it a a significant i think they're all bizarre anyway yeah i just when i saw that i was like icing on the cake for sure um but anyway new game plus mode coming to metro exodus uh not a game you should really like hard pass on by any means it's a great game uh and i i think it's just it didn't hit a right feel for me uh, but next is the topic I think you were most excited about, which is let's talk about No Man's Sky. So well, no- I, I just, I'm excited in a weird way. Right. Um, well, first of all, VR is coming for free, which um, as somebody who has told you a thousand and one times, if you play Fallout 4 and then you play Fallout 4 VR, it can't be any different, any more different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's stunning how different it is. Um, so that'll be cool. Even though I'm not, it doesn't like necessarily change the core dynamics in the game. VR is a it, it, when you're playing a pancake version of a game, and then you play the VR version, it's pretty impressive. That ability to look behind you and you see the game world, and your brain starts to go, "Fuck, I'm actually in here." Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited for that. But I saw the GDC. Uh, I saw Sean Murray's G- GDC talk, and I was just impressed by self awareness. I thought it was pretty cool because. Whoa, sorry, that was my Alexa. Let me turn it down. Um, so I was impressed because I did not realize this. He he told a story. So all of this shit was happening. He obviously was untruthful in some stuff. So was Sony. There was there was obviously some untruths going on. But he he said something really cool. He said that a Valve developer uh, from Steam, one of the Valve developers, was a fan and um. At the time, Sean was after the release, and he was writing out. So somebody would bitch. He'd write. He'd write out a response. Somebody would ask him for an interview and bitch, and he would 
he would like try to do the interview. And this guy from Valve was like, listen, uh, only talk to your only talk to your gamers via your patch notes, as in just work on it. Don't talk because talking, it doesn't matter if you're respectful. It doesn't matter what you will always lose in the long run if you're in the position they were in and they were in a position of their own building. He never said otherwise. It was just cool to see him say he took that and he's like, you know what? We did make mistakes. And I've, I've, I'm a firm believer that there has to be a path for redemption for people. And Always, companies, yeah. and companies, developers, and there's somebody who's stepped up their game, who's added a bunch of stuff for free, whether I know a lot of people say, the only reason they're doing it for free is blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. But this is the situation we're in right now. And uh, it was just a really interesting GDC discussion and one that uh, shed a light on how he basically tore the press to shreds. He was like, we figured out quite quickly that the press has no real connection whatsoever to the gamer which we know you and i know because i think youtubers there's a reason why they're called influencers whether we hate that word or not which i fucking despise um but it was cool because he said that you know people were telling him they were like listen if you go on to an article and you fill you do an you do some kind of interview for a web page two minutes later it's going to be replaced by negative news because that's what generates the clicks so instead speak to the gamers via your patch notes, via the work you do, let that speak for itself, and then come back later once, you know, there's that sort of, I guess, remembrance of them fixing things. Even though you and I both are firm fans of getting it good day one, Mm -hmm. um, I would also say, I would also argue with a lot of people that No Man's Sky wasn't enjoyable day one. It's just our expectations were ratcheted to an unrealistic amount because we were told that it was going to do unrealistic things. But yeah, it was cool, man. It was cool because he just, he was very open about it. You could tell he was really nervous. Obviously, it was emotional because there was a lot of pain. He was taught, you know, which, you know, that's what happens when you're not truthful. Uh, But it was also very interesting to have him open up about YouTube, about uh, websites, about having to come back and not wanting to leave the industry because a lot of people I'm sure wanted him to leave the industry. In fact, there was a thread I just saw on a forum that was like, Randy Pitchford needs to leave the industry. And there's always this leave kind of thought process. And you're like, you're like, we should think this through maybe not in some cases, obviously, but in some of these where like a developer does this kind of stuff, would you rather have them leave or learn from their mistakes? Because God, I'm telling you, Maddie, if people found out the stupid shit I did when I was young, I'd be fucked, man. I mean, I did some dumbass shit, but I had a path of redemption with friends, with spouses, with girl, you know, with girlfriends, with whatever family. When you do something dumb, right? And I think it, I think it was cool that people were like open to it, and it's now become a little bit known as No Man's Sky and what it is now, and the improvements a little bit like a Ubisoft game, I like think, you could say yeah. Rainbow Six Siege. I think it goes hand in hand a bit with uh, some of the humanization of the internet, where people are starting to realize that, hey, someone may have been an ass clown two years ago, four years ago, um, they, or especially in the case of a video game. Like, okay, some false information may have came out that, yes, it's okay to be annoyed. It's okay to get angry, I feel. Um, but that there does come a time where you move the needle over and you go, okay, it is now unhealthy to remain incredibly pissed the fuck off <laughs> yeah, for right. another another five more years. So walking Murray. canker sore, yeah, just mad, just absolutely ripping into Sean Murray still. 
you know, you can crack your little jokes and, and have your wisecracks, yeah, uh, but I just, sure. I feel like, you know, and you know it, I know it as creators, like we've both made our mistakes on our own channels before yep. where people will use it as a sticking point for the the rest of time. And there's a time where, you you know, at first it's a little sore, it, it hurts, it bothers you, and then you get over it and, and you hit that point where you see it, you don't get upset, you don't get mad, you, you honestly don't even feel anything, you just go like, when are you going to get over it? You know, like when, when, is Oh it? yeah, for sure. I know for, for us, sure. like, Oh, we're the creator. We, we feel more apt if we make a mistake to, to get over it and try to put it behind us. Cause we're like, okay, like I want that happening again. Let's move the fuck on. But you know, there comes a point where like, I'll still see people try to use like near perfect as like a, not like a, a joke, but like a legit sticking point to me. Like, I'm still sitting there like dying on that sword and and oh. and defending my my original Fallout 4 review. I'm just like, bro, you know, like if you if you don't like that review, fine. And there's plenty of content I'm going to put out that you're not going to like, but um, you know, to to act like that's something that you're really going to try to hurt someone with. And it's the same thing with Sean Murray where people are, you know, no man's lie and you know, uh sweet little lies with Sean Murray and Todd Howard. It's like, okay. But that that was that was what 2016, it's not 2019. We've seen the game turn it around in terms of adding tons of content, fulfilling promises, um, continuing good communication. You know, l- let it be now. There is forgiveness is healthy. Forgiveness is okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with forgiving a person. Yeah, and especially in the like fa- the ideas of an interactive creation, where let's say I can't tell you that on page two hundred and fifty-six these certain words were used because it's a video game. I don't know what your experiences will be, what somebody else's will be. So there's sure. an interactivity there that can slightly adjust how you feel about a game, um, you, as you can tell just by reviews, where somebody's like, "I had this happen," and somebody else is like, "What? That never happened to me." Mm-hmm. So I, I think with this kind of thing, Rainbow Six, we do see titles that. And again, No Man's Sky, I want to make it clear. When it came out, if you looked at it, which most of my friends had no clue about what it was going to be, they saw a picture of a Flash Gordon-looking sci-fi game. And they were like, wow. And they got it and were quite happy. Mm-hmm. They were quite happy, in fact. To them, the game that made them quite happy is just now improved massively. To those people who were mad, like you said, at some point you do have to go three years, really? Like, burn me once you know, shame on me. And I, I, I think a lot of it does come from pride. Don't be stupid. Like, don't let them burn you again. That's absolutely correct. But there's a difference between not letting somebody burn you and just not being involved in the situation at all and just walking away from it and saying, like, you know, I'm going to hate them actively. I'm going to do this actively. Another reason why I think that's a good thought process is because it also, you saw developers in the room, like, nodding along with Sean Murray going, like, I get it. Like, and I'm sure a lot of them in that room still prop- probably have an issue with him because he made their job harder. Let's be honest. A developer like you, like, if you did something as a YouTuber, like, let's say one of us got paid for a review and, and it got out, paid exorbitant amounts, Tencent gave us millions of dollars to review a game. <laughs> if you did or I did, all YouTubers are, are harmed a little bit by it. So you're going to hold that. You know, you're like, fuck, man, yeah. you, you caused my situation. I'm sure a lot of developers in the room, there were some in there who were like, eh. But it was cool to hear him talk and see people sort of realized, um, especially for somebody who he didn't sit there and apologize. He's already apologized multiple times. He didn't sit there and say, poor me. He was just like, we realized that we were talking. We had already pissed off the people we were going to piss off. So we had to find the people that, that sort of liked it. And what did they do? 
dislike and then fix those. And he said the first thing that popped up was one of my major complaints about the game, inventory. He said, we can't fix somebody who's mad about me saying there were sandworms because at that, maybe they didn't get put in the game because that's how development works. But he's like, inventory, I can fix that. And I like that because it's like, okay, great. We're at this point. What do we do? Do we just dump it? Because if we do, Maddie, if everybody dumps something when things turn bad, then all, all games are fucked. Because the, the number of titles out there that people just be dumping because they didn't sell well, which I bitched about, you know, like sell a Game Pass and then it doesn't sell well and your Game Pass is worthless. So I actually think it's very cool to see somebody step forward and be like, these are the things we learned um, from our mistakes in no way, shape or form saying they weren't making mistakes. That was it was just very self-aware. It was like. It was really dumb, and, but here's what we've learned, and here's how we've learned to move forward. And I, um, my hope is, is that a lot of developers look at it, watch it, and first of all, are forewarned. Okay? We don't want to do what he did to get to that point. But also use whatever he said to fix games that are already good. You know, games that are already, you know, a Metro Exodus. It did well. Mm -hmm. So, but we're adding a plus to it. You know, and we're talking to fans oh maddie doesn't like uh the story beats because there isn't a you know there aren't some side quests or something like can we can we do something about that or is he going to be an outlier for us i think that's awesome mm -hmm. and i think that that's the way it should be and it should continue that way and for whatever luckily i think we are starting to see that i think we still have a long time a long way to go but yeah. it's certainly not saying we can't drop our jokes i just dropped todd rays but at the same <laughs> time i'm going to tell you right now i don't if todd rays can come up maddie but if fucking starfield's awesome i'll be the first one crowing about starfield at the top of a fucking building yeah, I somewhere th i think a lot of the anger for gamers uh and it's, it's hard to get that perspective at times like in a, a situation of fallout 76 you know it's, it's very hard i'm sure for the developers to think this but like most of it boils down to i want to love this so bad what the fuck yeah. did you do to me you know kind of thing not like yeah. you suck i hate you it's more so like the anger for most gamers boils down to wow i i want to love something and i cannot be and now i feel burned yeah. because of it and i i you know it, it might come down to financial situation then like i only buy one game a year i only buy two yeah, games a year and your sure. game that i banked Completely on understandable. fucking blue you know so i i get that too um because it yeah. can get personal real fast but i think what happens is gamers will be the first to tear you down if if you fuck up which a lot of the times it is deserved but then they'll also be the first, and in multitudes more, the people who will raise your game up on a pedestal or your creation up on yeah, a pedestal yeah. and celebrate you works. and what you've done and, and encourage everyone to try it. It is, yep. it is a vicious circle, but I think it could be a rewarding one if your intentions are pure and if you are honest. I think a lot And if of, you have the ability to, I think, filter a yeah, lot of shit. Yeah, because I, I think <laughs> a lot of creators put this pressure on themselves to to do something spectacular because they look around them and see all these spectacular creations and maybe because of insecurity or whatnot they feel like what they're making isn't living up to that and if they're just honest a lot of people are very understanding because they know what they're buying into they know what they're getting into and they don't feel gypped if you just tell them straight up what's going yeah. on with the product yeah. they're getting it's 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 just that simple it really PR, is pr needs to stop making these huge snafus though I mean, I will say that, like, whether it be, you know, Todd Howard, whether it be Sean Murray, whether it be Ubisoft's PR Activisions, I will say this. If I was a PR person and I was working for a company right now, I would be seriously watching to make sure 
that I didn't say anything that wasn't in the game. And I was very clear if it wasn't. I mean, I, I think we are at a point now where you really do have to be, you have to say it's mysterious. Almost like the red, uh, CD Projekt Red guy is, he's like, we're doing two IPs, so quit fucking, uh, mm-hmm. what do you call it? Quit, uh, quit, quit what did he say? Qu- quit speculating. Yeah, just shut the fuck up. I sort of dig that because it's just like, no, this is, this is what we're doing. Um, quit speculating because you'll get these expectations and then somebody may also pretend like they're real, which can definitely happen. Right. But uh, yeah, it was just a very fun discussion, and uh, I'm really happy to see those kind of games do better because I'm a fan of those kind of games. Right. Those are easily my favorite kind, the you know the No Man's Sky kind of games. I cool. love those kind of games. Good stuff. Well, here's to many more successful No Man's Sky like games, and that is our last topic for the show, episode 186, as we crawl to that big 200. Um, let us know in the comments if you guys have any cool ideas or tweet at us uh, for episode 200 celebration. I know some people suggested like Lone and Noah come back. Noah's on the table, but Lone can't because of his job, of course. Um, so just keep that in mind. We want to make sure, you know, speaking of, you know, gauging expectations, we want to make sure everyone knows we're, we're trying to do special stuff for episode 200. But um, it's really hard, I feel, to execute like a real special podcast. And we just had one of our biggest guests come on. And that's usually conducive to scheduling, so it can be tough, yeah. but uh, we just want to keep it open and, and hear your guys' ideas as we get closer to that. But anyways, thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you next week with episode 197. Peace out. Peace out.